Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Hey, what's up, everybody? So glad you're with us. My name is Joey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor right here. Want to welcome all of our physical locations in Philadelphia and our online community. We love you. Thanks for joining us. Believe God's going to speak to your heart today. Do you believe that? Amen. Before we get into it, we're in a series called Essential, and we're really talking about kind of the age-old nature and value, the virtue of serving. And something that's coming up next week uh, is our team conference. And we, we feel like team conference is essential. It's, it's built around our block teams who serve. And you're going to love this day. If you're not signed up already, it is a day in which we pour into and celebrate all of those who serve. We also invite anyone who's interested in being on a block team. So if you haven't signed up yet, it's, it's literally, I think it's the best thing we do. Uh, it, it's going to be fantastic. Please join us next week for team conference. Now, uh, as we kind of round the corner on this series here, uh, I want to po- give our, go give our attention right here to our, our essential, uh, s- setup. You know, you would see something like this in H and M or express or it's just a really beautiful. Uh, and so we've got golf balls and we've got this thing essential and essentially, uh, Essentially, uh, what we've been doing is we've been filling these these golf balls up because you are the golf balls. You represent uh, your your service, your gifts. And these empty boxes, they represent opportunities for us to build God's kingdom, serve God's house. And you can see we've already had folks step up uh, to fill these boxes. So give yourself a hand for that. So we can meet the needs of the house and serve our community and our city best. And so let's keep doing that. Let's keep joining teams. And I think Team Conference is a great place for you to really be inspired to do that. All right. Okay. So uh, has anyone ever quit a job in an epic fashion? I bet you there's somebody next to you, around you, who has. They got a story to tell. I never quit in an epic fashion, but I did have one job once. And it was one summer, I was kind of in between. I, I, I was a youth pastor, but then I was getting ready to go on the mission field for a season and I was trying to raise money and I uh, needed a job. I was you know, asking folks and churches to support me, but I was like, man, a little bit of extra income will help uh, pay for my journey. I was gonna pe- backpack through Europe and minister. And so I, I worked at this, uh, I, I chose to work at this Mexican restaurant. This was in Dallas, Texas. And I wanted to work there because I deeply loved their chips, salsa, and queso. I mean, I, I deeply loved it. And, and I, I knew, I knew somebody worked there. I knew the employees ate that for free. So I said, this is how fight my battles, you know? I'm gonna, I'm gonna work there and I'm gonna eat this and it's gonna be incredible. Except uh, after the first day I, I was working, I was regretting my decision. Uh, and, and then after the second day, I, I was like, I've had enough chips and salsa and queso to last me, last me for a lifetime. Uh, and, and I couldn't figure out the computer system. <laughs> so... After the third day, I walked up to the guy and said, man, this ain't for me, man. 
I got to trust the Lord. <laughs> and so I walked out with my head down. But God provided in miraculous ways. It was the only job I ever had. And, uh, and, and I, I, I feel a little bit of shame telling you this story uh, simply because, uh, well, I feel a little bit incapable at times. But I do know that there are certain things that I am capable of doing. And uh, I would say I'm kind of an intellectual. You know, I use my brain. That's my power. Except I couldn't figure out the computer system, you know. Uh, but, but I say all that to say this. You know, certainly there are times when you do things and you do jobs that uh, maybe aren't your favorite, but you know it's seasonal. Uh, but but long term, you know, that sort of thing didn't serve my gifts best. And there's something going on in our culture right now called the great resignation. Have you heard of it? Also known as the, the big quit or the, the great quit. And basically the nation's quit rate is at a 20-year high. For a lot of reasons, better pay, new opportunities, burnout, disrespect at work, uh, government injecting monies into people who don't actually need it, childcare issues. And you go on and on and on. It's resulting in this great resignation. It's created a lot of stress for employers, managers, owners, companies. I was at the gym earlier this week and I'm talking to a guy who's, who's working and he's frustrated because there's not enough staff. Uh, there's also something going on called the anti-work movement, which has its roots in anarchism. And honestly, it really goes against biblical values. But, but th this whole season right now is, is creating a lot of stress and, and, and panic. And here's what I think is happening. People are struggling to come out of the fog of the pandemic and the crisis. And it, it affects us, especially when it has to do with our work and our purpose and working with others. And considering all the shifts in culture uh, over the last couple years, I, I think, especially when it comes to work and working with others, we've got to reframe our work. We've got to reframe our focus and we've got to reframe our purpose. Well, we've got to say wherever I am, the soil that I'm in, I'm not suggesting that new opportunities don't uh, come and we should consider and pray, pray on them, but we've got to be somewhere and wherever we are. We should be looking to use our gifts to impact the world, to, to serve people around us. And that's what I want to help you do today. So I've titled this message, Everyone Everywhere. I'm serving everybody everywhere, all the time, everyone everywhere. You know, approximately 85% of the Christian workforce, I saw this in a Christian business article, 85% uh, of Christians don't work for a Christian company or nonprofit, they work for for-profit. Uh, but the, the sad thing is, according to data, very few Christians seem to view themselves in full-time ministry. And I just want to say to you right now, wherever you are, you are a full-time minister. When business professionals don't view their for-profit work as ministry, here are some of the consequences. It's possible that people will read their Bible less, worship God outside of church services less, and serve consistently. Uh, they often don't share their faith or make disciples, don't hold themselves to the same standards of a Christian conduct as those considered to be full-time ministers, don't activate their spiritual gifts, don't assume God is relevant outside of the institutional church. This is problematic. Yeah. 
I should walk up to any one of you and ask you, what role do you play in your full-time ministry? And your response should be, I am a full-time minister at this company. This is my outpost. I'm a watchman on the wall. Christians, unfortunately, have been conditioned to think that ministry is only supposed to happen in church on Sunday. Yet, listen to this, of Jesus' 132 public appearances in the New Testament, 122 were in the marketplace. Of 52 parables Jesus told, 45 had workplace context, 40 of the divine interventions recorded in Acts 39 were in the marketplace. There's been a general sense uh, in institutional church culture that if your salary isn't paid by the church, then you check in, you check out. If your salary isn't paid by a Christian nonprofit, you check in, you check out. You really just become a crowd Christian if that's the way you think. This is no small issue. This is data. 85% of the Christian workforce works outside of Christian institutions. So if, if, if only 15% of, of Christians in, in America or on the planet see themselves as ministers, we've got a problem. So the question that that begs is who should we serve? Well, besides everyone everywhere, which is the actual answer, let me break it down for you. I've given you four people to serve. Number one, you should serve your family. Your spouse, you should serve your spouse both ways. It's not just about who brings who breakfast in the morning, although that can be important. Serving each other means sacrifice. We serve our kids. We can serve our cranky elderly parents, aunts, uncles. You know, 1 Timothy 5 speaks to this, and it's quite intense what the scriptures say. We, we serve our family. Second group of people that we should serve is our coworkers, our, our classmates, our contemporaries, our friends. Jesus served his friends and his contemporaries. You see it through the scriptures. Here's a third one, authorities. These are our bosses, these are our pastors, these are our teachers, even government. Now, all of this has limits, of course, particularly when these individuals are pressing you against God's will. There's a different conversation, but there's always an opportunity to serve. Strangers, here's the fourth one. The Good Samaritan is a great example of this. So is Hebrews 13 too. You gotta do some homework on your own. But these are four groups that really were meant to serve beyond the institutional church environment. 100% totally meant to serve in church. But, but what happens when you leave church? You're still the church. Said this a few weeks ago, you're the church in church, but you're the church outside of church. So we need to flip that data around, at least in our church. It's like 85% of you and only 15% think that they're full-time ministers. No, I want 85% of us to think we're full-time ministers. I want to go to 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10, which really tells us how to serve. Verse 8 says this. It says, above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. So how do we serve people outside the church? Well, we show and we give love to all. To whomever, whenever, the best course of action is love. Now, 
Friends, love does not mean enablement. It does not mean celebrating sin. It's not giving someone a pass. It's not participating in ungodly practice just because you love somebody. What love does is it seeks the best for others and compels us to serve, especially since the word love is an action and verb. So let's get practical for a moment. What, what is loving those in your life? Here's what it means. You should write this down. I love others. I serve others through my love. Here's how. I love myself. I, 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 I learn how to love myself. That's important because what that does is it produces good boundaries in your life. You love God, loving God, loving yourself, loving God. Those are important for you to love other people the way that God would ask you to. Third one is knowing your boundaries and your standards. You can't really love people if you don't have your own boundaries or standards because you can't produce a witness from that place. Next way is to model the way of Jesus to those around you. So when you love yourself, when you love God, when you have boundaries and standards, now you can begin to model the, the life of Jesus to those around you. you. You know internally, this is what Jesus expects. This is what Jesus calls me to. The last part of that is what you do then is you develop a deep enough relationship that gains you relational equity. And that then can invite them into the Jesus way. Relational equity allows you to have conversations that you can't just have on your first day at the job. Relational equity is built when you've been at the same job for three years and you're working with that same coworker for three years and you see their life is heading down a pit, but you keep loving them, keep modeling the way of Jesus, keep inviting them to church, keep praying for them. And all of a sudden in a break room somewhere, there's a conversation you never thought you'd have and that someday became today because you love them. You love them. Everyone, everywhere. It's essential. Verse 9 says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. We're all guilty of this where we are having people over, but we're complaining as we're cleaning. I love that the scripture says, be hospitable without complaint. When you think of hospitality, you're probably thinking of sprucing up your house, getting ready to have a dinner party. But being hospitable... It's not just snacks and drinks and cleaning and being a good host. Hospitality is something that flows from you. You're hospi you can be hospital hospitable in a cubicle. You can. You can be a good host wherever you are, thinking of others first. You can write thank you notes. Listen to this. You can go into work early and create an atmosphere of prayer. You can go clean up your area and not be the mess. You can go clean up the break room. Uh, you can be thinking of others. You can make breakfast and dinner joyfully without complaint. You can send flowers and gifts to people in your life, family, all the way down to coworkers or classmates. You can bring coffee. You can memorize somebody's coffee order. I know this isn't like super spiritual stuff, but when you do it, it becomes spiritual. You can buy lunch for somebody. You can help someone with a project. You can provide time to meet their needs. You can have needed conversations and on and on and on and on. You can serve people and be hospitable wherever you are. The, the, the question is this, and this, is, this goes back to a message previously, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? When you're going to work, 
when you're going to school, when you're interacting with family, when, when, when you know you're meant to serve, but you don't know quite what to do or you don't feel like doing it, Holy Spirit, I have partnership with you. Who are you calling me to serve and love? See, loving others starts with loving God and loving yourself. Being hospitable simply makes yourself and your life available to serve others and meet needs. Verse 10 says, just as each one of you has received a special gift, which is a spiritual talent and ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace. Love that. Faithfully using the diverse varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. By the way, if you can't tell, I'm using the amplified version of the Bible because I just love how it spells it out. If you want to serve the people in your life, it's important for you to actually discover your own spiritual gifts. This is key. When you discover your spiritual gifts, it's going to enhance how you apply hospitality and love. So there's some gifts that I want to introduce you to. Maybe you've heard of them before. Maybe you haven't, but I want to give you homework today. Go look into this stuff. Go talk about them in your block groups or with your Christian friends. Go research. I'm not going to cover gifts of apostleship today, interpretation, pastor, shepherd, teaching, tongues. Not going to cover that. You can find gifts in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. You can find some of this stuff, but I want to give you some practical gifts that you can take into the marketplace that are probably bestowed on some of you as you've invited the Holy Spirit to fill you, to baptize you, to use you. So I'll go through them quickly, but there is the gift of administration, which carries the idea of someone who guides and directs a group of people toward a goal or destination. There's the gift of leadership, similar to administration, but more pastoral in nature, which means you care deeply about those you lead by protecting them. There's the gift of mercy, which is a grace to be patient and compassionate towards others. It's, it's a deeper level of grace. There's gift of prophecy. The, these messages can take the form of exhortation, correction, disclosure of secret sins, prediction of future events, comfort, inspiration, or other revelations given to equip and edify the body of Christ, but can also be used for and to those who don't know Christ. Gift of service. It refers to any act of service done in genuine love for the edification of the community. They are usually filling many of gaps. Folks with a deeper gift of service sometimes don't land in one spot because they're actually meant to be a utility player. If that's you, embrace it. Gift of wisdom. This is deeper and most intimate understanding of God's word and situations. You use that gift of wisdom in the workplace or in your school or with a friend and they come to you and all of a sudden you're saying something that clicks. You know the gift of wisdom is at work in your life. Gift of evangelism, which all Christians are called to evangelize, but some are given an extra faith and favor to do so successfully. You feel and know that, but you'll never know unless you try. Gift of exhortation, it's encouragement that lifts. It's, a de- it's like, wow, what did you, you just have a gift to encourage. All called to encourage, this gift elevates that. Gift of faith, an extra measure or radical 
mountain-moving faith that is unwavering. Unwavering. Gift of miracles. Seeing signs, wonders, and healing. Which imagine that taking place in the marketplace with the people you love. Last one, I think as important as the gift of giving. This is radical above and beyond generosity and the ability to acquire and distribute resources to build the church. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but some folks said this earlier, some folks won't hold a door physically, but will buy many doors financially. And those doors will open. And, and some of us have to consider who we are and apply these, but we've got to discover our gifts so that we can serve and make a difference. Now, as I close this and you'll be inspired here shortly, but I just want to say, um, you know, going back to my restaurant days, again, I'm not saying that there are not times where you got to sacrifice and do stuff you don't want to do. And the means of my missions came in in different ways. But like, it was a small telling of who I am. I have entrepreneurial gifts. I know who I am. I'm a pioneer. I know this about myself. I know that I take steps of faith and I see things that others can't see. I see things on the horizon. I know who I am, but it's been years of discovery and I best serve the body and my family and my community when I'm functioning within who God made me to be, but it's been years of discovering and trying and missing and getting it right. And even some days trying new things and things that work, things that don't. And here's what I'm, I'm telling you today. We're all called to serve the church, but we're all called to be the church and serve our community, our workplace, our schools, everywhere we are. So whether in a great resignation and in, in an anti-work culture, whether in a difficult circumstance, wherever you are, you are a full-time minister. And just as I, I told you you're a priest, go be that priest, pastor, evangelist, minister. Go be all the things you're called to be wherever you are. Serving makes a difference. And I want to inspire you right now. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.